0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: From Labradoodles to Cronuts, the world loves a hybrid. So today, businesses are taking a smarter hybrid cloud approach using the tools, platform, and expertise of IBM. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit IBM.com/slash hybrid
0: cloud.
1: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. It is midnight Eastern time, the second and third rounds of the NFL Draft are in the books, and we're here to tell you what the Bengals have done. Joe and I both nailed, my official mock draft nailed the third round pick, but we were both wrong about the second round target. We're not upset about either of the picks, though, and so far generally pleased with the draft. So that is where we'll start today. And then we'll set the table for day three of the draft. Still plenty of very good players to be picked. And we will get into that for the third segment of the show. But first we'll talk about the Bengals picks in the second and third round, who they passed up on and why the guys they picked might make sense for their future. Joe rumor has it that the Bengals were considering Denzel Mims and T Higgins at the top of the second round before ultimately deciding on the Clemson wide receiver, a guy that before the draft process really started was by many considered to be a future first rounder ends up at the top of the second round has drawn comparisons to AJ green was very excited during his press conference because as he told the media, the Bengals are his favorite team and AJ green is his favorite player. Now he gets to play for his favorite team and learn from his favorite player.
2: I don't think, Wide receiver pick was a surprise at all. I think a lot of people were on the Denzel Mims hype train. And when you look at the Bengals history of drafting receivers, they really like guys that produce at a young age. And T. Higgins is one of them in the 96 percentile for breakout age. Uh, T. Higgins is just 21 years old right now. He looks his profile data profile looks like what the Bengals typically draft. And they've had a lot of success in round two drafting that position.
1: Yeah. One big key for the T Higgins pick. And one reason that it makes a whole lot of sense is that he's 21 years old. He didn't test great, but you look at Tyler Boyd in the slot. It's a very similar profile to T Higgins, except T Higgins plays outside. They're both very young coming into the league. They both didn't test great, but they both have all the things that you're looking for in a wide receiver prospect outside of that premier athleticism. Now Tyler Boyd never developed premier athleticism, but he did develop into a very productive receiver in the NFL. It never became a
2: detriment to Tyler Boyd, really. Uh, You know, it it looked like he'd be a low-end athlete. But when you're doing that test at 20, 21 years old, that seems to be the case. There's still some maturation that's going to take place in the NFL. I think that's the case with T. Higgins. we got to go back and look at this from when the draft process started. Getting T. Higgins at 33 would have been approved by everyone.
1: And... So at the time, Higgins wasn't at the very top of the locked-on Bengals draft board, but it was an understandable pick. It was well within the range of who was the BPA at that point in time. And then in the third round, the Bengals turned to linebacker, and Zach Taylor talked about this as a position of need. He talked about Logan Wilson, who they end up drafting out of Wyoming, as a guy that they had been watching the entire second round. They weren't sure. They were holding his breath, hoping they would drop. You hear this from NFL teams all the time about players they draft, thinking that they've got great value. If you participate in the Shadow Draft Project, I'm sure you know the same feeling. You feel like you're hitting a home run every time you make a pick. doesn't always turn out that way, but the Bengals are very excited to have Logan Wilson. 24 years old, so a little bit on the older side. At least he turns 24 very soon in the coming months. Played at Wyoming, so not, again, the, the highest level of competition, but was very, very good. For Wyoming, had great production on the ball, really good coverage skills, a converted defensive back, good size for the position, and better than average athleticism. In fact, closer to an elite athlete than an average athlete.
2: And if you think either of these picks are reaches, it may be because of our earlier conceptions of who should be there or what position, what guy you may like for us. If you balance the board, Jake, that we have. Uh, Based more on tape, T. Higgins comes out as the 25th player on the board, and Logan Wilson comes out as the 50th player on the board. So each would represent value and are probably very high on the Bengals board themselves.
1: Yeah, because we think that the Bengals have probably leaned into the tape grades pretty heavily in this process. We heard that a lot of teams were straight up throwing out three cone and short shuttle times because they were weird in Indianapolis this year, whether it's because Things were late or some other reason. They're not really using those times. They didn't get pro days. They didn't get to meet with any of these guys in person. So as reasons would suggest, they're falling back on what they saw from these players during the year when things were operating as normal to figure out their valuations. And if you ask evaluators around the league, T. Higgins was a first round player for a lot of guys and Logan Wilson was making noise to go into the second round maybe be one of the earlier linebackers off the board. Turns out he goes at the top of the third. Instead, the Bengals feel like they've got a couple guys that can be day one starters, long-term contributors, and maybe they didn't get your favorite players at those positions, but they got some guys that should be able to contribute early and often in their careers.
0: All the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms were simple: you put in two hundred dollars, they'll match you with another hundred dollars in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car.
2: So the situation at 33, the pick we've been waiting for, at least the most intriguing pick of the premium picks for the Bengals. Uh, we had all night to think about it, all day. It really wasn't much going on until just a few hours before the draft kicked off at 6 p.m. here, so or 7 p.m., I'm sorry. But uh, that's when the rumor started to come out that the Bengals were trying to trade back, were hoping to trade back. It was names like Ross Blacklock from TCU, the defensive tackle. Um, obviously on our boards were Josh Jones, offensive lineman from Houston and Denzel Mims wide receiver of Baylor, but not too far off our board is where the Bengals end up going with T Higgins. And again, I think that's a fine pick. I think what's throwing people off is we had so much time to isolate a few of those players and, and start to really get on board with picking them. And the Bengals ultimately did not choose Josh Jones. He fell at least another 20 something picks. Down the board until I don't even know where he went. Jets was that. I can't remember, Jake, but it's not it's not important, guys. Denzel Mims goes to the Jets about 20 picks later. That's what I was thinking of. And the Bengals uh, never get a chance for them in the third round. So T. Higgins at 33. Jake, you feel good about that? What kind of grade are you giving that one?
1: I'm giving that one an A-minus is where I come down at it. I'm happy to see a receiver here. I'm happy to see a premium receiver here because I really do like a lot of things about D. Higgins. He brings a lot of skills to the table at wide receiver that I think fit really well with what Joe Burrow does. And, and what really sells me on the pick is that he wants badly. He wanted to play for Cincinnati. He talked about in his press conference that he was talking to his friends before the draft, like, hey, man, I might have a go- chance to go play with A.J. Green. And just seeing how happy he was, seeing how well he connected with Zach Taylor, I'm sure he's going to learn really well from A.J. Green. That's a really solid outside receiver of the future. And he can play that X position that the Bengals need as they try to get A.J. Green protected off the line of scrimmage, move him into the slot more, move him to the Z wide receiver position a little bit more. It'll be interesting to see what this means for John Ross in particular, how that battle works out, how they end up splitting time But Bengals coaches, who probably aren't expecting to have Ross beyond this year, could see it as a one year positive in the very different skills that these guys both bring to the field. Get uh, Higgins out there for certain types of plays, get him exposed, get him some reps in to get him ready for the future. But you still have John Ross as that deep threat this year.
2: Yeah, I want to correct uh, Josh Jones was available for a third round pick. He went to the Arizona Cardinals, which I thought was a fantastic job of them of, of finally getting an offensive lineman. But yeah, for Higgins, for me, when I watched him, I gave him a pretty good high tape grade of 86 out of 100, which is pretty much where he should have gone. That means end of the first, early second. And uh, I see a guy that's very smooth vertically, get, has nice build up speed, uh, can run after the catch a little bit. Plays the ball well downfield, very good ball tracking, very good hands for the most part. He did have an 8% drop rate. Uh, but when I I don't think he's as explosive as Mims. I'll just compare him to the guy a lot of people asked about. I don't think he's as explosive horizontally. Uh, I don't think he's as explosive vertically uh, and jumping in that, in that range and twisting and catching the ball. But I do think you get a guy with a wide catch radius, maybe the widest in this draft, and somebody that would be perfect with Joe Burrow. That's part of the pairing, right? You want a guy that's going to grow with him for that next five years. You want a guy that like Burrow had at LSU, guys that are great with the back shoulder stuff, guys that can stretch the field vertically and uh and, and with good accuracy and anticipation from your quarterback, you should be able to get a lot of these um contested balls to go in your favor with a guy like T Higgins.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. The comparison for a lot of people for T Higgins, at least a few people was AJ Green. Matt Miller absolutely loved this pick from the Bleacher Report. T. Higgins is not the athlete that A.J. Green is, and it's really the jump. It's a vertical jump in particular. His broad jump was actually pretty good, seventy-six percentile, but his vert comes in at the sixteenth percentile according to RAS. That is not a very good number, but generally speaking, really good ball skills. He has very long arms. He has thirty-four and quarter inch, uh, an eighth of an inch arms. Has good size for the receiver position. So you would start to think about him as a box out kind of player as a guy who's going to win at the catch point, that is something that does pair really well with Joe Burrow. We see him do it all the time. You go back and watch his LSU tape, you see him throwing those back-shoulder plays, and that's the kind of thing that should work really well with T. Higgins.
2: Yeah, and he said he mirrored his game after A.J. Green, and it's funny because that comparison has been thrown out before. You can see it in the way they move. You know, Some guys are really good at that. You can see someone dance, and you can, you can pick up that dance right away. Tiggins must have watched a lot of A.J. Green because he moves very similar. It helps that they're built very similarly. Tall, lanky. I don't think he gets in and out of his cuts as well as A.J. Green, but that's the difference between a guy who goes top five and a guy who's still there at the top of round two.
1: Yeah, I mean, if Higgins tests a little bit better, if he jumps a little bit higher, then he's not going to be available at that point. But, I mean, it also doesn't show up on tape. But as you mentioned, Joe, during our stream today, the 21-year-olds don't always test the best, unless they're real athletic freaks. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time to come into their own T. Higgins still has time to mature physically. You don't really see guys come into their prime until they're 26, you know, if you go by baseball anyways, 26 is Mm. a hitting prime. It's got to be similar for football. 26 to 30 is roughly the prime for most NFL positions. So T. Higgins has a lot of time to learn, and he gets to start at a young age with a coach that it sounds like he connected really well with. So that's pretty exciting stuff. And the fact that Denzel Mims went so much later, you saw Matt Rule pass on him in Carolina, and Bob Bignell, who coached him when he was a Baylor, passes on him. It means to me it feels like they've made the correct pick, I guess. I mean, Denzel Mims could very well go on to have a better NFL career. You turn on the tape, he and T. Higgins are very similar players. Denzel Mims, however, tests a lot better, but is also, what, two years older?
2: Yeah. And uh, I'm with you. I'm going to give him an A- minus on that pick. Let's move on to round three. Um, I think the options were pretty clear there. As you originally mocked this, you know, I, I had this pick with you with Logan Wilson being in round three, but as we were going through the, the, um, the scream today, as the draft's going on, we were both kind of in this like, yeah, Logan Wilson's going to make the most sense here. And then we were saying this 20 picks away. And as, as the time they get up there, he's number six on our board. So I don't think they had to dip too far. Uh, I really like Logan Wilson. I think he's got everything you look for in terms of size production athleticism and the tape is really good for a lot of ways i think he's the most accomplished cover guy cover linebacker in this draft and that includes isaiah simmons only because you know i'm looking for more uh middle linebacker stuff actually turning your hips flipping and and, and covering that deep middle you know carrying that seam and and making plays on the ball 10 interceptions in his career is pretty rare you rarely even find a guy with five picks from linebacker coming out of college. So. Uh, you can go and watch highlight tapes of him, and it's just him making plays on the ball. And I think he run fits very well. And So I don't want to make it sound like he's some finesse guy in a, in a low-end conference. His strength is actually against the run. He's a tackle machine and a very good tackler, sound tackler, uh, one of the better ones in this class. But we, he ended up coming out really good on our grade. And and um, a fringe first, we heard teams really liked him. I felt like the Bengals would have taken him mid-second mid round. Had they have traded back and ran out of options, it would have been a Logan Wilson. I think people would have been like, there's the Drew Sample pick. But instead, I think uh, Wilson's actually worth this.
1: And it's not a Drew Sample pick. Even if they had picked him in the second round, it's not a Drew Sample pick. Because that's the guy that we had graded out in the fifth round. This year, we had Logan Wilson graded out as a second round player. So this isn't outlandish in any way, shape, or form. As you mentioned, Joe, I really like his ball productivity uh, in the past game. Gets his hands on a lot of balls, gets a lot of pass breakups, a lot of interceptions. If you want to knock him for anything, it's his age. He's 24 very soon. He's 23 and 7 tenths of a year or something when he comes out. And he doesn't have the elite athleticism. He grades out really well in RAS and his relative athletic score. He comes out as like an 88th percentile athlete, but he doesn't have elite burst. He doesn't have elite speed. He has good speed. He has good burst. He has good agility, nothing really stands out. And this is the same as Drew Sample, actually, in a lot of ways. Now that I'm saying it Mm -hmm. out loud, Drew Sample, another guy that tests out as an above-average athlete but didn't have any elite tool in the athletic toolkit. And Drew Sample by no means looks like an elite athlete. And, And neither does Logan Wilson on tape, but he looks like a good enough athlete and he looks very smart. He understands what his job is. He plays his job correctly. He's good at reading the quarterback, really good read and react. In the past game, Joe, you talked about his run fits. And I think he hits the ground running. I think he plays right away. He is going to have a learning curve for the speed of the NFL game from going from Wyoming to an NFL competition. But the maturity should really help. And for the Bengals, this is another guy with size that you really have to like because you're not sacrificing really anything here in the AFC North except for the top end speed and explosion.
2: And that's the thing about Patrick Queen versus Logan Wilson. While Queen is 229 pounds, I think on his best days, Logan Wilson is 240 plus. And now you got two linebackers in your three-four defense. You want those two inside guys to be bigger guys. They're gonna have to deal with a little bit more alignment on them uh, if if things don't go right. And so when you got Pratt and you got Logan Wilson, uh, you've got two guys with coverage backgrounds that also have big bodies. So you you know former safeties, former DBs in their history. I think Wilson slides in with. Binds. Maybe he's the backup at first. Maybe he's only behind him in the base defense. And then nickel package, that's where I think Wilson's going to make his his, uh, footprint right away. And he's a guy with like 2,600 career snaps in college. He's ready to play. He's a guy that makes calls and and can do that uh, if Pratt's not ready or however that works out and shakes out. But I just think overall, this is a different mix of linebacker than they're typically used to. You don't normally have for the Bengals, athletic big guys that have coverage backgrounds, and now you have two of them. I don't know the last time we can say that.
1: Yeah, the fact that he and Jermaine Pratt both have defensive back backgrounds, I mean, they're very similar players in a lot of ways. I think Pratt is probably a little bit better of a tackler because he has vice grip hands. Once he gets his hands on you, he doesn't let go. But I really like the fit. And and they've got Josh Bynes there as well. I mean, it's a solid linebacking group. You feel a little bit more optimistic about it, especially after they settle in if they can settle in. So that is going to be the question. What is the learning curve for Logan Wilson? Does Jermaine Pratt sustain some of his progression from last year at the end of the year when he started playing better? And Joe, some of our listeners might be asking, well, what do you mean 3-4 linebackers? The, 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 the Bengals are 3-4? And we had Ben Baby come hang out with us a little bit today during our live stream. And he said Lou Aniruma was insistent, like starting a week one last year, that they were a 3-4 defense. And they were using guys in different roles to achieve that 3-4 look, such as you know an extra defensive lineman, an extra defensive back. What well, we were calling a big dime, Lou Anarumo might call a 3-4 look. I, I think that just the way he's deploying personnel is non-traditional. And Matt Minnick has pointed this out too. He really likes versatile pieces. This gives them another piece that they can interchange with some of the other guys that they have on defense in different spots. The one deficiency maybe in Logan Wilson's game is he's not I don't know Joe. Do you know actually, is he an accomplished blitzer? Do you, do you have that off the top of your head? I don't have how much he blitz.
2: I don't have that. No, but uh, they do blitz him a lot. Uh, it, it's not this, to the extent of Jordan Brooks and Kenneth Murray, where they are spying the quarterback or blitzing if it's a, uh, you know, a certain uh, look, but he has blitzed more than enough. If you watch the Missouri game, you'll see it a couple of times there and you'll see it in a few others. But uh, yeah, Wilson's mostly a drop and cover guy, but I feel like he can do it all. I think his, PFF grade though is pretty decent for a a blitzer.
1: Yeah, we just looked it up and it turns out 10% of his 900 snaps this year were pass rushes and he graded out really well in that area. So PFF overall grading, his productivity for PFF, excellent through three years, going from an 81 grade to an 85 to a 90 in in three consecutive years. Yes, he's older. Yes, it wasn't SEC competition, but the profile is really strong and the skills that he put on tape are really attractive. I can totally get behind Logan Wilson in the third round. And I mocked it there, so I'll take being right about a mock. I know Joe had the same thing as me before he changed it up for the sake of being different. Missed on Josh Jones, but hit Logan Wilson in the third round. And Josh Jones had a weird fall. We're not really sure why he fell, but he ended up at the bottom end of his range near the mid-70s and goes to Arizona, who I think had a very fine draft, but does not end up a Bengal. I would give this pick a solid B+. I think that I would have preferred Josh Jones here. That being said, Logan Wilson is an immediate impact player. And if he's not immediate impact, he's a long-term projected starter for me that brings something that they needed on defense.
2: Yeah, I'll give it a B plus too. I said the same thing. So we're, we're right in line here. I've just got some stats while we're, because we're streaming while we're recording this. If you're the part of the group, that's only hearing the recording. And we had a comment here from Burrow Time which is a perfect name, Logan Wilson's stats, okay? So 923 snaps last year, 8.5 for a loss, 12 missed tackles, one forced fumble, 13 quarterback pressures. He was targeted on 56 passing attempts. He gave up 37 catches, two for a touchdown, four interceptions, which one was returned for a touchdown, and four pass breakups. I imagine that um, constitutes a very nice passive rating against him in favor of Logan Wilson.
1: Seven pass breakups. And is that what I said? I'm sorry. That's what I meant to say. So wide receiver of the future, linebacker of the future, that is day two. We'll set the table for day three coming up next.
2: Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies.
0: Join me every Thursday with The First One Drops, only on Amazon Music. Let's go.
2: So let's set the table for day three, where the Bengals will have four picks, rounds four through seven. Um, And I think looking at the board, there's some surprising guys that are still there. It was a. As expected, Jake, a murderous row there in those final 15 picks or so with all those comp picks at the end of round three. A lot of guys that we were interested in went. I even saw a tweet from Paul Denner Jr. that said uh, Adam Troutman of Dayton went to the Saints, and he thought that could have been a sneaky pick had he lasted a few more, and the Saints traded up for that one. So I found that tweet very interesting. But let's reset the board. Let's find a few targets, uh, some guys that we'll talk about all day tomorrow
1: and tweet and debate and figure out. Can we talk about the murderer's row just a little bit more first? Because this is something we experienced every time we did a mock draft. And I think it's largely because there are those extra compensatory picks that got thrown in this year. And I've complained about it a few times. And this is the last time I really get to complain about it, I think. We see in that range Malik Harrison, Matt Pert, Dalton Keene, who Joe, you have mocked to the Bengals in the sixth round. Alex Highsmith from Charlotte, who I would have been, Very open to as an edge rusher somewhere in this range goes to Pittsburgh. Davion Taylor from Colorado, the athletic upside, I think, linebacker would have been a fine target. I don't know, since they just picked a linebacker if he was a target. And then, as you said, Adam Troutman. Another interesting note, just in reviewing the day, going back to the top of the uh, third round, the Panthers traded ahead of the Bengals. For pick 64, where they picked Jeremy Chin right before the Bengals picked Logan Wilson. Wonder if there's anything to that or if they were just trying to get ahead of some of the other teams and the Bengals did not want to trade back. But yeah, let's get into who is left because there are still some guys that we really like. And the first two guys on our list are guys that I think could be Bengals targets in Curtis Weaver and Ameek Robertson.
2: Yeah, and I like two, both of them now. I mean, I really liked Robertson anyways. I took him in my shadow team for round three, so top of round three. Um, so yeah, if Bengals need a nickel corner after this, after this year, Mackenzie Alexander on a one-year deal, I think Robertson would be perfect fit for fit for them. I really like him. Curtis Weaver is more of an interesting one, right? I've got a lower tape grade on him, but the production was there. Uh, I think And now we're getting to the fourth round. This is how those guys like Carl Lawson end up there. And that they're still end up having very productive careers, although I liked Lawson more on tape. Point is, you get a good prospect here that has a chance to reach his potential, and I think that's what Weaver is. He doesn't look like the the guy I normally would like on tape. He's a little bit stiff. He wins a lot without winning the entire play, and, and it comes off a little weird at times. So it's no surprise to me that he's still here, but we are talking fourth round.
1: And he had some really good production his entire career at Boise State. And, and that's PFF's point on him. PFF would, I'm almost positive, have Curtis Weaver as a top player available right now. I haven't gotten to look specifically, but I can all but guarantee you he's their BPA right now because he put together elite production year in, year out. I agree with you. On tape, he looks a little bit unathletic. He looks a little bit slow at times. I have some motor questions, but the productivity is pretty consistent. For Weaver, and the Bengals only have three edge rushers on their team. Weaver is a big enough guy, I think that he has a little bit of versatility to his game, and it wouldn't be shocking, but I also don't think that that's necessarily the direction the Bengals go here. Kenny Willikies, if we're talking about an edge guy is is getting up near the top of our board, and he's i just he's the kind of guy I think the Bengals would really like
2: mm hmm Especially Senior Bowl, another tie-in there. They took Logan Wilson, really the first chance to take a guy because they took Burrow, who didn't attend, and then Higgins, who was an underclassman. Then they go and take Wilson. So we, I, I'm i still expecting a Senior Bowl run of some sort here. I think people are interested in the offensive line because the Bengals passed on Josh Jones mm-hmm. twice. Uh, we didn't see too many O-linemen actually go. I think there's still a few guys here that I think could come in Maybe not start as rookies, but maybe fight, contribute, push the guys around them, and maybe in a year or two, they're your starters. So let's look at the top of the board here, who we have. And you got Jack Driscoll from Auburn, was a tackle. I think he projects to a guard, maybe backup swing tackle type guy. Um, I think he could be a guy who pushes this year for a guard position. Uh, I think there's a few offensive linemen, though, that could do that. John Simpson being another out of Clemson. You're talking about a big-body guy who has a lot of power to him. Uh, loses a little bit more than Dr- Driscoll does, I think, at a higher rate, but can recover a little bit better than than Driscoll does. So if that makes sense, I think uh, Simpson would be a really good right guard. But there's also a couple more here really quickly. Uh, Tyler Beatus, I think, if you would have asked us, in 2019, where is he going to go? I think a lot of people would have said, high round two. Uh, he didn't play as well as he did in 2018. He was hurt, and now he's here in the fourth round. He's Billy Price in the fourth round. Would you like to roll that dice again? I think now the value would be worth it, and you can do that. Uh, maybe he's your center. Maybe he's your guard. I don't think that means he's center right away. We should start those guys at guard like they didn't do with Billy Price. So uh, maybe that's the path for Tyler us
1: The last guy to talk about here is another senior bowl guy. And that's Ben Barch. He didn't test at the combine. He had an injury at the Senior Bowl where he had to bow out. But he showed very well there. Small school guy from St. John's held his own at the Senior Bowl. Actually, was one of the better linemen at the Senior Bowl. Josh Jones was better if you ask PFF, and they do grade the players in practices. So there's some reason to believe them there. They've got some data to back their uh, their their claim there, but. Barch, shorter arms than you'd like for a tackle, but another guy similar to the Auburn tackle that projects to guard, whose name is Jack Driscoll, Driscoll, uh, can do both things. And if you're looking for a guy that can kind of fill both roles and is likely to play for you earlier as guard, Ben Barch could be a guy too, and the Bengals had him at the Senior Bowl on their roster, so a lot of exposure there. The offensive line, though, really thins out I think, after this pick. After this, you you start to get down into the fourth round. Hakeem Adoniji, if he's still available, is one guy that you might like. I know a lot of people like Nick Harris from Washington, but I'm not sure if he can play guard. I think he might be more strictly a center. Then Ben Ben Bredesen from Michigan, who we noticed when we were watching Cesar Ruiz, Joe, a guy that I said, you know what? I think they're going to end up with one of these Michigan guys. Well, maybe it'll be him, but that I don't think would be until at least the fifth round. And that's where we're looking at offensive line, at least for the guys that we have on our radar. You're holding up two fingers. It sounds like there's two other guys. Yeah, we
2: missed two on there on here. We just didn't mention them. We just uh, kind of skipped over this section of Prince Teguanogo and Natani Muti. You know, I think either of them could have went in the third round and it wouldn't have been a shocker. Right. So uh, at this point they could be near the the top of the board. They grade a little bit lower for us, but they've got uh, injury history and and there's a little bit of projection there for both of them. Um, So, yes, those could be easy picks here and and potentially starters down the line because they definitely have the talent worthy of it. So Jake, um, is there anyone you're hoping for? Is there anything you would like to see or maybe a a prediction for this pick?
1: It's hard because all the guys that I really would like for them to pick, we haven't really talked about in depth, but they're all defensive guys. Amik Robertson, James Lynch, uh, Akeem Davis-Gaylor, if they wanted to double up at linebacker, Bradley I at this point, I think is a really good value because of how good his hand usage is. He was just dominant at the senior bowl too against the Bengals. So they saw him on the receiving end of that beat down. Kenny Willick, a defensive player that I really like. So the guys that I, I seem to be gravitating to on the defensive side of the ball, if they choose to go with a luxury pick, an upside luxury pick based on athleticism, Albert O for Missouri, the tight end, would be a really fun pick at the top of the fourth round. But if they stick with kind of a, a trying to marry value with need and trying to hit at least somebody on the offensive line, I think for me, the guy would be Ben Barch at this point, followed by Jack Driscoll. I think i mocked them in the fourth round, Antonio Gandy-Golden, but that's no longer really on the table, having drafted T. Higgins in the second round.
2: Yeah, I like the offensive line picks there. I definitely like Barch for this uh, selection. The other guy I would mention is I think James Lynch. It sounds like yeah. they were into the interior defensive lineman um, in rounds two and three, but you know just took the guys that are on the board instead. Uh, so it appears, and even Ben Baby agreed with this when we had him on that they seem to be interested in getting a guy there, whether it's a guy that can play five tech, uh, you know, take some snaps from Tupau, or eventually replace. Geno Atkins or lighten that load on Atkins Mm -hmm. earlier in his career uh, while you still can. And for me, I think that's James Lynch makes a lot of sense for round four, super productive dude that put on a lot of weight and became more of a defensive tackle prospect instead of an edge prospect. Uh, And I think he'd be a future dominant pass rusher from inside.
1: Another guy that I really wouldn't be disappointed with is Prince Tegamanogo. I know we forgot to mention him in our first go through the offensive lineman. And I know he doesn't grade super high for us, But I think he does have some good tools there. Could emerge as a really solid offensive tackle in the NFL. So that is a pick that I would like as well. There's a lot of guys, though. I mean, you look at the list. Prince Tegowanogo, Kenny Willikies, Bradley Anai. uh, We talked about James Lynch, Amik Robertson, the corner from Louisiana Tech. We talked about Akeem Davis Gaither a little bit. It's a pretty good list of prospects for the Bengals to pick from in the fourth round joe do you have a prediction my
2: prediction is james lynch i think they're going to keep bypassing o-line because that's how they've done it for most of the last few years
1: it is but they do like offensive linemen i think in the fourth round too particularly guard i think they do go that direction a lot i wouldn't be surprised if it's lynch i'll play devil's advocate and go with ben Barch, the guy they had at the senior bowl who can fit in on the interior offensive line
2: And while the point was made that the Bengals usually follow up some type of receiver pick when they take a quarterback, you know, in the same draft are usually uh, married together, they also take offensive linemen, whether it's Clint Bowling in 2011 or Eric Steinbach in 2003. So, yeah, maybe a guard here now is their new Clint Bowling.
1: We'll see what way they go in, let's see, it's 9.52 Pacific time right now, less than 12 hours. So you better listen to this one early.